All right, welcome back everyone to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your host, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And the first round of the NBA playoffs have just concluded, so there's a lot to talk about. Let's just jump right into it. Starting off with maybe the biggest story of the first round, that being the Lakers, who were eliminated in six games by the Phoenix Suns. Um what are your impressions? You know, as a uh, this hurts. Yeah, yeah. First thing I want to say is last episode in the pod, we were talking about how incredible are we are predicting falsely. Um, so now I co- I think we can confidently say we are the worst predicting podcast <laughs> in, on the air because uh, we said Lakers in seven. Uh, I think we said Clippers. You said Clippers in six. I said Mavs in seven. Neither of those things were true. Um, at least I we got had a- different predictions. There were, I think, four, or three or four potential outcomes, and we guessed half of them, and we were still wrong. <laughs> um, I think we were also wrong with the Hawks. We were wrong with right. the Bucks, Nets. We were wrong with everything. Okay. Anyway, getting back to where we're supposed to be. Uh, yeah, I think this is really a tale, like of the Lakers just being injured the whole year. And this isn't making any excuse for the Lakers as a, a Laker fan, but you, you have, this is really just a disappointing series in general because Chris Paul gets hurt. AD gets hurt and LeBron is not hundred percent. We know these three things are true. LeBron before going into the postseason says, I am not 100%, not sure I ever will be again. That's a scary thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Right. But you also know that LeBron is hundred percent. AD for sure is not hundred percent. He can't even play. He can't, he can barely walk. Um, he did not look healthy in game six in the first five minutes. He looked awful and he re-aggravated his injury. Um, Chris Paul, you can see the shoulder was bothering him the whole time. And he didn't really play like Chris Paul. He was putting up maybe like 10 and eight. That's not Chris Paul numbers. You know, you know, we, we could definitely get more, even though he's 34, 35 years old, Chris Paul can do better than that. Um, so I think this is really disappointing overall. But for the Lakers, you know, c- congratulations to the Suns. They took advantage of their opportunity, and they're now going to the Western Conference semifinals. So great on them. Great for Devin Booker. Got to give credit to everybody on that team. Cameron Payne stepped up, mm. especially. That's who I really want to give credit to in that series. That's like uh, they say on this one podcast, the master lock of the night. Like, I think that would be for me. That would definitely be Cameron Payne. He just did his job and ab- above and beyond that. Definitely surpassed expectations. Looking at the Lakers, I do want to say, I think the whole season was basically just a snowball that built up starting from the top of a hill and it just turned into an avalanche. Like, um, (laughs) (laughs) he just, a little kid is at the top of a, a mountain and he just throws a snowball and it rolls and rolls and it turns into an avalanche because the first thing that happens that's an issue is you have Anthony Davis getting injured. He, his first injury was the right calf strain, which looked really similar to what Kevin Durant had before he tore his Achilles. Yeah. So of course, Lakers are going to be really careful with that. Um, so I think that was really the start of all the Lakers issues. Um, you don't have AD and then that puts all of the strain and all the load on an aging LeBron. Um, and what really was supposed to happen was the role players, they were supposed to step up, right? Like your Dennis Schroeder, your Montrose Harrell. Yeah. And in those games where it was LeBron plus the role players, they looked good, actually. Like the role players were doing their job. Like Dennis Schroeder averaged 20 and eight. 
And Montrez averaged 17 and five or 17 and six. So the, they stepped up. They did their job when they had to. Then, as you could expect out of a 35 year old LeBron, he gets injured when he has to take the load by himself. Um, and then you have no LeBron, no AD playing pretty much the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, Andre Drummond comes in a very clunky, clogging the lane kind of big man. No, that's just that is who he is. He's a clunky, no, clogging the lane kind of big man. And he. <laughs> He ends up, he just, they don't mesh right away. Like this is to, to make LeBron, AD and Drummond work takes time because they have to really figure out how to play around Drummond. Because when you add Drummond into the lineup, it's very hard to make Drummond work around another player just because his play style is I'm going to sit in the paint and either get a post up or an offensive rebound. Mm-hmm. You know? So you, that's not something you can really, that you have to work around that. Yeah. Um, so I think that was really a downfall to Lakers. And then, I think this team composition didn't allow Dennis Schroeder to thrive, even though he was horrendous and could have done better with what he had. It did not make him look good. And we didn't even play Montrez because he just simply didn't fit in this team. Yeah. So we touched on that a little bit last episode of how yeah. awkward he sort of fits in on this team. Um, and I think you, you sort of encapsulated it perfectly. The Lakers season, if you were to describe it in one word would just be unfortunate, you know, like we, people forget or, people might not remember that the Lakers actually had the second best record in the whole NBA and were second in the West, only behind the Utah jazz before AD got injured, we were rolling. And obviously like you can't really understate how big of an impact that shortened off season had. It's the shortest off season of any professional team in any professional sport ever. So to put, and then you're throwing in a guy who is very injury prone Anthony Davis and a guy who's 36 years old and LeBron James, of course, they're going to get injured. They don't have the proper amount of rest. Um, now that you can't like, you, you can't make less of the fact that this team is not really built that, that well. And we definitely did get worse from our team last year. Uh, and some players individually regressed, namely I'm thinking of KCP how he had such a great finals run and then just to just shrink in the playoffs this year where he's can't even make an open three anymore. That obviously you can't account for but this team, we, we definitely needed more shooters. And that's yeah. something that I think we neglected in the off season. Um, and that's something I hope we, we, uh, we prioritize this off season. And I think there are a few regrets we, we, we make. Uh, I think we regret not trading for Lowry um, you know, I disagree I with you personally, but we can talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I just think that we had to do something, you know, the, the team as it was built was not, even if we beat the Suns, I don't think we we're going to be the team in the, we were never going to beat the nets built like this. You know, we needed more. So yeah, I agree, but I don't think this was our season to win in general because of injuries. Like this just was not, it didn't go our way. And so we have to bounce back for next year. Um, but I do want to talk about another thing, an interesting statistic, I want to get your thoughts on uh, going back a little bit about LeBron James. Every great perimeter or not perimeter player, every great uh, forward player. So whether it be Kobe or Michael Jordan, as their career, like headed towards the end, they started taking way more outside, like three point attempts than inside two point shots in like uh, paint baskets. So that's just, that makes sense, right? You, yeah. You're older. You can't get to the, the bucket as easily or to the paint. Sorry. Um, and then, if you look at the statistic in his career, not even last year, LeBron has never averaged 
more three-pointers taken than free throw attempts in the postseason. In this postseason against the Suns, LeBron averaged two times more three-pointers taken than free throw attempts. So what do, you, what do you think that says? Do you think that speaks to his injury, his age, or a little bit of both? I actually saw that. Um, I actually saw that statistic. And just there was like a little caveat. Another series in which he averaged more three-pointers than free throw attempts was his 2011 finals. And we all know how disastrous that one was. So obviously when he's, he's less aggressive and he's, you know, settling more for those three-point shots, LeBron plays worse because he's just not a perimeter player. He thrives at the rim. That's the player he is. Um, and I think we have to chalk some of that up to age, as you said, as you as these players get older, they start settling for their shots more. It's less strenuous on the body. Um, and, and, you know, it's just better long-term just for your viability in your playing career. Um, but I also think, yeah, it's the injury. Like you saw him in some of these games. He was being very passive. He was like facilitating way more than he should have being incredible, not playing with any urgency, you know? And I think he was scared. You also saw it like in game three at the end when he was having fun and smiling out there, he was dunking it hard. He was running up to the rim. So I'm not sure how much we can really chalk that up to injury. If in some of that, those spurts, he was really playing like we have seen LeBron. That's fair. But I mean, even earlier in the season, I was, I was rewatching some of the highlights from uh, LeBron's, I forgot how many points he had 40 plus against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the regular season. We all remember that game. It was, it was a crazy performance, his best of the season. Um, And he was moving crazy out there. That first, that quick first step he had that explosiveness, we weren't seeing that in this playoff. So I think that on that, on that front, the injury definitely had, very noticeable effects on on how like explosive he was you know he probably could still jump pretty high and we we saw some good dunks this series but like it's that motor that explosiveness that has been pretty greatly diminished in my opinion Mm -hmm. but um yeah i mean we could talk i think we can touch more on the the off-season moves for the lakers more into the summer or after the playoffs finish, because we could talk about the Lakers all day. <laughs> Definitely. There are 29 other franchises in the league. So moving on uh, a game that was played today, actually game seven between the Mavs and the Clippers. This has been a very interesting series as for the first six games, the home team has not won a single game. Uh, the road team has like won all of the games, but today the Clippers finally broke the streak they won at home game seven, big performances from Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, and Marcus Morris. Uh, I mean, Luca had a phenomenal performance too. He had like 46 and 12. So I just want to get your thoughts on the Mavericks, their season this year. And uh, yeah, I mean, Luca as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah. First off, I just wanted to say like, it was really incredible to watch just Luca in the series. Just- mm-hmm. Plain simple. Um, Luca now almost has more career 40 point games than Steph Curry in the playoffs. He's one wow. game away from having more 40 point games in the playoffs than Steph Curry. And he has played 12 games in the playoffs his whole career. Uh, can you imagine? I couldn't count how many Steph Curry has played. Yeah. Um, Kareem Abdul Jabbar only has nine. That's insane. Luca's already o- over halfway there. Um, 
the the people he is really far away from are Michael Jordan at 38, LeBron at 28. And even that isn't that at a rate. He's played 12 games and almost half of his games, he's gotten 40 points. So uh, got to commend him there. It's not, he, he can't do anything more. It's, it's really the team around him, which I guess we can get into a little bit more uh, in a second. But I do want to talk about the Clippers. Uh, got to give him credit for finishing out this series, unlike some previous series against the Nuggets. Um, they, <laughs> they really... It has to be a backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they, they took care of business. They took care of business. Um, Marcus Morris went off this game. Um, and got to give credit to him for doing well. And although Reggie Jackson was not hitting threes this game, he hit some clutch oh, yeah. shots, like some big time, like deep three pointers. Like two, at the end of the game, when it was looking like the Mavs were making a comeback, and it was seven points to, in like two minutes, and it, it, it was looking possible, uh, especially after Luca. I'm not sure if he saw this play, he hit this step back three i think it was yeah zubats guarding him maybe i'm not sure who was guarding him but it was just beautiful and then reggie comes down the floor and he just hits two threes in a row and that just takes all the maps momentum away Mm -hmm. um also boban was huge this game like i kid you not i could in the short amount of time i watched this game i didn't watch the full game um i saw boban just getting some nice offensive boards dunking the ball uh, although like Kawhi did lock him up, <laughs> but hey, I I like watching Boban play. He's fun, funny guy. He was honestly better than Porzingis. So. He was, he was. We really need to talk about that. Boban Marjanovic, somebody who literally averages like ten minutes a game, is better than one of their max deal players. Yeah. Actually, their only max deal player. Yeah. Um, we also we also need to talk about the fact that Tim Hardaway Jr. is getting a bag this offseason. Like, I mean, twenty plus million like 25 million i wouldn't be surprised i I don't think so anymore to be honest i think his value i don't know if his value is going to go down that much but he had a pretty poor game seven and having one bad game isn't going to take away the value he was providing this throughout this postseason sure but i think part of the reason why he has been playing so well in the postseason is because he's playing next to luka Doncic. luka Doncic just makes all his teammates that much better dorian finney smith this game looked like an above average, like very solid player, thanks to Luca. Like he just kept finding him open for threes, and he had he ended the game with like sixteen points or something like that. Um, so I think that Tim Hardaway Jr. is not worth twenty million dollars as a player. So I don't know if they might like go out and and pay him because they just need talent on that team, but I don't know if he's really deserving of that money. Yeah, I mean, I might agree. I could agree with you there, but I'm just saying he is going to get that back. Sure. Some, yeah. Somebody's going to give him back. Yeah, I guess some team will. Maybe not the Mavericks, though. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure if the Mavericks can afford to pay him, but they're going to need the. They're going to have to do something, and nobody's going to be taking that Porzingis deal, unless the only team I could see taking a deal like that would be like, I guess OKC, but I don't see why they would. Like, yeah, Porzingis is just. I don't know what they do about him because he I think they just have to let his contract ride out unless they can get a deal for like a worse player who who's making a lot of money um but I don't even know who that would be it just there's no NBA player who has like map out of a contract aside from Al Horford so yeah it's just <laughs> like it's it's pretty bad it's um, pretty 
I feel bad. I feel bad for the Mavericks because watching Porzingis is so frustrating because you see a guy who's 7'3", who is physically very strong and could be incredibly dominant in the post or just abusing the mismatches he, he so often gets. And yet he keeps settling for this perimeter shots. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a play where Porzingis got a steal, right? It's a two-on-one fast break. And he just settles. He, he just pulls up for a three. The <laughs> lane was wide open. And, and he could have at least drawn a foul or, or attack the rim. And he just settles for a three. And, of course, he misses it. But, like, that's the type of player Porzingis has now become. He's a 7-3 guy who plays like a 6-3 pure shooter. I, I just – it's frustrating to watch. Yeah. So – I'm not sure what the Mavericks can really do there, but uh, they definitely need to add some talent to that squad. This is a pretty rich offseason, so there's a lot of options for them there. Um, this reminds think... me a lot of, like, the position Luca is in right now reminds me a lot of when Michael Jordan was early on in his career in the Bulls and he just couldn't get out of the first round because he didn't have Pippen with him. Or LeBron in the first part of his career in Cleveland. And he had, and... like, Ilgalskis was his best yeah. player. When they like Eric Snow and, you know, players like that surrounding him on the Cavs. And it was a struggle to win series because the front office couldn't surround him with another all-star. So hopefully, I, I mean, even Dirk, you know, to a certain extent, like he played most of his career without another bona fide star. Like he had Nashville a little bit. He had Jason Terry, I guess. Like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's until I got Jason Kidd. I mean, but he was so old at that point. It's not. Yeah, that's not even fair. That's like saying, like last season, LeBron played with Prime Rondo. Not a fair comparison. But I don't know. I just I want to see LeBron get or sorry, I want to see Luca get another co-star because you know he's playing his heart out. He's doing all he can, and it's taking a toll on him. You know, you see in the fourth quarter, he's gassed. But um, yeah, it really shows in his statistics in general because like he always has really great first half performances but then just falls off in the second half because it's just such a load on his shoulders right right (laughs) it just gives you extra respect for lebron because he he did that for like eight years in cleveland he did that most of his career honestly just carrying lackluster teams far beyond where they should have been uh so yeah i guess it makes you appreciate greatness in a different way but yeah it's going to be interesting to see what the Mavericks do in the offseason. But another team that got eliminated early, or I guess you could – I don't know if you could call it early, but definitely they you could have had higher expectations for this team is the Portland Trailblazers. So they lost in six games to the Nuggets. I think – did you predict that? Did I predict the Nuggets? Yeah, yeah I did. Okay. That, so that one I got. Cool. You got one right. Well, we can give it that one to you. I got one. Um, and we already saw them start to make moves. They fired coach Terry Stotts. Um, yeah, we have to talk about who we think the next coach is going to be for sure. Well, it's looking like it was between Jason Kidd or Chauncey Billups, but Jason Kidd withdrew his name from the selection process. So it's looking like it's going to be Chauncey Billups, who was an assistant coach with the Clippers. Um, but so, so I guess I want to ask you first, like, what do you think of Chauncey as the coach of this team? And secondly, do you think the Portland Trailblazers will be able to surround Dame with enough help, or do you think he's better off leaving to another team? Okay, sorry. Do you mind repeating that first question? 
Yeah, I was just asking, like, what do you think of Chauncey if they oh, can yeah. hire him as the head coach? Um, well, I think that he's an unproven coach, obviously. Uh, never been a head coach. But I do think that we're seeing, like, a, a new surge of, like, former NBA players, like a new generation from, like, the 90s and the 2000s now becoming coaches. You see it in guys like Steve Nash and Jason Kidd. Obviously, Jason Kidd has been, like, around for a little bit longer, but he's still a relatively new face to the NBA. So mm-hmm. I, I see this like a risk reward situation, but there's like a lot of risk in that still, because the risk is if Chauncey isn't a great coach, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard, no matter how loyal he is, is bound to have some sort of unrest on yeah. that team. So uh, that's how I'd answer it. I mean, you always have like guys like Mike D'Antoni, uh, even with Mike D'Antoni though, he's like been proven to have a lot of flaws in his coaching style. Mm-hmm. So Maybe there's a better option to go with a guy like Chauncey Billups, who is unproven. Yeah. Um, so going to your second question, I honestly think that Dame is better off going somewhere else. Like just 100%. Like this team has been the same for a very long time with CJ McCollum. And they either need to re- the only other star that Dame really had in his career was LaMarcus Aldridge. Like that was for such a brief period. Of and time. that was like a year or two. Yeah. And that's that was primal Marcus Aldridge, but he was so young that didn't make a difference, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I really just think he's better off going to a different team, and I don't know where that destination is, uh, but I hope he finds it because he definitely deserves to have a ring to his name. Yeah, I honestly, I think I agree with you there. I think Dame is better off leaving. I saw this um, comparison between. Dame and a lot of the players he's typically placed in the same conversations with guys like Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, uh, Stephen Curry. And it's just like a list of their best teammates. We watched the same video. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous though. No, you see Westbrook, he's played with Harden. He's played with Kevin Durant. He's played with like all these players. You see Kyrie played with Curry. He's played with LeBron, you know, Westbrook. Kyrie, when did Kyrie play with Curry? I'd like to see this uh, team. Did I say that? Yes. I, I, I really would like to see Kyrie Irving and Steph Curry on the same team. That would be a little scary. I meant to say Kyrie Irving has played with LeBron James. He's played with Kevin Durant. He's played James with James Harden. Harden. He's yeah. played with, I mean, Jason Tatum, if you want to say that too. Uh, but like Dame, his best player for the longest time has been CJ McCollum. You know, it's bad when it's like one of his best teammates is Yusuf Nurkic or like Robert Covington. So... I would love to see Dame in a situation where he has real help uh, and a real co-star around him. Uh, I mean, going to somewhere like Philadelphia, Boston, Miami, even the Lakers. I don't know how they would make that happen, but that would be great. Uh, <laughs> Look, um, the, best, let's, let's, the, the best Laker offer would be like if they re-signed Andre Drummond, like Andre Drummond, KCP, and a few first-round draft picks. Like, that's oh, the best deal we can scrape up. We could, we would have to put on THT. Yeah, but that's also if we re-sign him on his – with the bird rights because somebody's going to throw him a bag. But that's – we can talk when we're Lakers postseason stuff another time. Okay. Uh, but I honestly think a great destination for Dame might be Philly. And we'll talk about this a little more later. Uh, about Ben Simmons and like the cap he has in Philly. But I do think that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid would work so well together and be so scary. You mean Damon? Joel Sorry. Embiid. Yes. Yeah. Well, it looks like this is just the episode of uh, slip ups. Yes, it really is. Hmm. 
Well, I mean, I would say I was, I'll, I'll edit that in post, but so okay. now that we talked a bit, a lot about the trailblazers, let's talk a little bit about the nuggets in this series. Okay. Um, specifically, I'm going to start with Michael Porter jr's 22 point first quarter in game six. What, yeah. what were your thoughts on that? I mean, when I was looking at that, I was thinking to myself, like, wow, if he was not on the nuggets, I could see him as a guy winning the scoring title in the, later in the future, later in his career, you know? Like, this is a guy who is not afraid of any shot. He has one of the purest-looking strokes in the entire league, in my opinion. He's what we wanted Kuzma to be. He can make it from anywhere. He's like a Walmart KD, you know? And in the in the first quarter of that game, he was looking like prime KD with um, the shots he was making and taking. Yeah, so, but the only complaint I have for him in that game is, like, at some points in the game, just because he was hot in the first quarter, he was like chucking up shots when he wasn't hot. And I was just yeah. like, if only he wasn't taking those stupid shots that he doesn't have to take. Right. And it's just like, I don't know, that's sort of the 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 drawback to having a guy like that. Because when he's making those shots, like your team is rolling and your offense is practically unstoppable. But when he's not, he's going to be taking some like boneheaded shots, you know. But you just got to hope that he catches fire. But I would say that's a benefit to any team, you know, just a, a, a flamethrower who is willing to take any shot that you throw at him, like a J.R. Smith type of guy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was really impressed with the way Michael Porter Jr. played in the series as a whole. Um, and also just got to give more credit to Jokic, man. Like, he's definitively the best center in the NBA. He's very deserving of MVP. Um, and I'm just really excited to see how he's going to fare against DeAndre Ayton. I want, I want to see how that matchup is going to pan out. Yeah. Uh, I think this is one that Jokic kind of runs laps around, honestly, like defensively, it's going to be a little tough, but um, it's just, Oh, sorry. This is where I was thinking about. I want to talk about how in this series, Will Barton is still out. Like you still have some of the nuggets, like real role players who get big minutes in this series out. Yeah, and they still they still got business done. I, I know they have one more role player out, and I can't remember yeah, his name. Like role player Jamal Murray, you know. Just... No, no, there's Jamal Murray. There's also one other guy. Um, uh, let's get yeah. back to it in a bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're the matchup with the Suns is going to be great. I honestly think this is one that could easily go to seven games. Um, but Chris Paul, I think, is going to have a little bit of a tough time in this series, not because like that he's going to get locked up or anything like that. Uh, but because I think if he is, his shoulder isn't healthy, the Nuggets can really exploit that because they just, they're so deep and they're just going to keep throwing fresh bodies at him. Yeah. But I mean, we also saw how like a all-star point guard fared in the last series. Dame didn't seem to have too many problems with the Nuggets perimeter defense. So I don't know, like obviously health is going to be a big concern, but it looked like Chris Paul, at the end of game six or throughout the entirety of game six, actually uh, against the Lakers. Look, he looked like he was, he was pretty much back to normal. So hopefully he's back at full health. I want to see that because as you said, this is a series I could easily see going to seven games. Um, yes. Oh, sorry. It was PJ Dozier. That's who it was. Okay. But I don't think PJ Dozier would get minutes over Austin rivers or over Monte Morris. Okay. He's just like, he's a, f- a fine player, but Austin Rivers has been really hot. 
and Monte Morris has been playing phenomenal. But PJ Dozier was the person who was getting minutes over Austin Rivers in the first place, so I don't think Austin Rivers would really have gotten that chance. Well, now that he is, like, now yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, as you said, Will Barton, like that's a key starter that they're missing. So hopefully he can come back because I want to see both teams as healthy as possible. So we get the best basketball possible. Yeah. Um, now moving on to the next series a little bit. Uh, we could first talk about Hawks Knicks a little bit and that last game. Um, and then we can get into the Sixers Hawks and they actually play the game today. So just what are your final thoughts on the Hawks Knicks series? Um, I mean, initial thoughts are just like, man, this kid, Trey Young, he's going to be something real special. Not only is he going to be something real special, he is already like a, a bona fide star. I, I don't want to call him a superstar yet because I think that's a very prestigious title and you have to sort of earn that more than just one playoff run. But he's playing like it, you know, he's playing. Yeah. How like do you feel now knowing that he didn't make an all-star team this year? I mean, I forget who made it. it oh, Mike Com- it oh not Mike Conley's the West. Uh, yeah. I uh, think it might have been Zach Levine. Hmm. I mean, Zach Levine had been playing really, really well, like crazy numbers on excellent efficiency. So I, I just think it's a, it's it, obviously he deserves it, but I, I don't really know who you'd put over him because it's not in the regular season. I don't think he was really playing like this, to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, especially considering the first half of the season, the Hawks were really struggling. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think that had a lot to do with coaching as well. Yeah, that's something that we can definitely talk about. Like how Nate McMillan, they had one of the best records after the All-Star break after he came in as the head coach. And I don't think he's like officially the head coach. I think he's the interim head coach. So I think they're going to for sure make him the head coach next season. But he's Mm -hmm. done a great job with this team. Like they've looked like the best team in almost every single game they've played in, including the game today against the Sixers. They looked flat out dominant for a majority of the game until the end where they started to, to flounder a little bit, but he's done. You could chalk that up to like inexperience as well. Yeah. This is a really young team. Yeah, it really is. I mean, their oldest players like Lou Williams. And yeah. And he doesn't even have much playoff experience himself. So exactly. And you're starting so many guys or you're so many guys have such big roles in this team that are so young, obviously Trey young, but other guys like, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella. I mean, Capella. Not, Capella, no, you cannot include him in that conversation. I'd say, I would say Capella is the only guy who's had real playoff experience being in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors 2019. He, he has real experience. Nobody else on the team does. Fair enough. But like DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, like these Bogdanovich. are guys, Bogdanovich. Yeah. I think this is the first time he's ever made the playoffs. So, yeah, he's always been on the Kings. So, <laughs> But he's play, he's made so many big shots. You he was can, great this game. Yeah, he's been great in every game I've seen him in. The The Hawks are just a very offensively loaded team. You know, there's so many weapons on this team. You got the scoring of the Williams, the shot making of Bogdanovich and Herter, and obviously the playmaking of Trey Young, and the lob threat between him and Clapella. Like, and obviously we're not even mentioning John Collins. Like, this team is very well put together. And they're playing really well together. So I, I really like what I'm seeing out of Atlanta. Yeah, I'd agree. And I do think 
But we're now talking about Atlanta and how well they play, we also have to talk about how poorly the Sixers played outside of Joel Embiid, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think part of well, – one big thing that stuck out to me that game is that for a majority of the game, they had Danny Green guarding Trey Young. And Danny Green cannot guard Trey Young. I don't know why they didn't have their defensive player of the year candidate, Ben Simmons, guard the opposing team's best player. But that's an adjustment I would definitely want to see them make uh for game two. Oh, uh, I want yeah go ahead also i was gonna say i want to talk about an interesting t- statistic which is the plus minus of the hawks players this game um every single one of their starters was either um in the minus or or just zero and all of their bench players were above a plus eight that's really interesting and this goes even up to sorry uh, this even goes up to Lou Williams, which was a plus 16 this game. So Lou Williams did great. He had great minutes. Uh, Onyeka Okongwu is a plus 13. Forgot about him, too. Another- uh, Danilo Gallinari, that's another veteran player they have. Hmm. He is a plus 11. So this is a, actually, even looking at this team, is a pretty deep team. I mean, Bruno Fernando doesn't even play. Coach's decision. Um, so, like, it, it's just... DeAndre Hunter doesn't play this game. It's like they have a lot of the guys. Hunter was, Hunter was out because of injury. It's not because of any. Story. Oh, you're you're correct. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but uh, Trey Young is was actually a minus eleven tonight, even though he obviously that doesn't represent who Trey yeah. Young is as a basketball player. But like, just maybe that's the end of the game run by the Sixers. I just chalk um, that up to plus minus being a flawed statistic. Like, I don't know. I never really use that as a way to gauge how well a player is played like i've seen games where players play well like incredibly well due to the eye test and then i like check the box score later and it's like they're a minus one or minus two but that's not a fair representation of how they played you know yeah this is just yet another example of that trey young was not playing like a liability tonight he was simply was not Mm -hmm. uh now let's talk a little about ben simmons he goes 17 10 and I think four tonight uh, with, sorry. Yeah. 17, 10 and four with four steals and a block. Um, it with five turnovers though. That's the only, the real downside of this. Uh, he goes three for 10 from the free throw line. Doesn't take a three pointer as always, but goes seven for seven from the field. So he is a hundred percent efficiency. How do you feel about his game? I mean, it's just, just like a classic Ben Simmons game, you know, this is he's a guy who's always going to be very efficient because he doesn't take shots outside of the rim. Um, and he had, he played phenomenal defense this game. I just wish he played it. Like he, he took the initiative in guarding Trey young more, but he played it for like, I think he played pretty well besides his woes at the free throw line, which I think is going to cost them, especially in a series against like the nets. If they make it that far, they could just abuse that because he just shoots so poorly from the line it could just be abused but i think all things being considered he's played pretty well he's done his job um he's never going to be a scorer he's not going to be a guy who's getting you 30 points a night so i think he makes up for that though with his playmaking his rebounding and his defense so honestly who do you really shock up this the sixers lost to because going into this game i think very few people expected the hawks to come out with a, a dub not only a dub but a very like up until the end of like near the end of the fourth quarter, this was a blowout. Yeah. Um, 
it's hard to say exactly, but I'll have to give it to Daniel Richard Green Jr. Um, um, I think, no, and I think he did actually like play pretty bad for them because as I said, he did not guard Trey Young at all. Like he tried, but he didn't. Do you think they should start Matisse Tybal over him? I don't know about starting with. I just think who they put on him because Danny Green can guard players. They just have to be slow and they have to be like, not very like aggressive when driving to the rim, you know? So I think that if you put Matisse on Trey, you would have more success. You put Ben on Trey. I think it would work better, but that's just not going to work. And you don't want Trey to get hot early because when he's shooting those logo bombs, that's so demoralizing for your team. Or even when he's throwing those lobs to Capella or those lobs to Collins, it's just when their offense gets rolling, it's, similar to, as you described, the Lakers season, it's a snowball and it just keeps going. And then Bogdanovich hits a three, Gallinari hits a three, Lou Williams hits a pull-up jumper, and it just keeps rolling. So I think you have to stop Trey Young early to sort of stem the bleeding, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're saying here. Um, and I feel like a lot of this also comes from the Sixers having an 11-man rotation. Right? I think it was hard for them to find some consistency in this game. Yeah, I th- I'm so glad you mentioned that, actually, because I think there were some questionable rotations from Doc Rivers as well. There were some minutes where they didn't have Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, or Ben Simmons on the floor. It was just all bench unit, and I just don't understand that. In a playoff game, there should never be a single minute where those at least one of those three players is not on the floor. And those lineups like were where the Hawks really feasted, you know, because <laughs> you're running lineups of like George Hill and Dwight Howard, and those are just not great lineups. So I, I also want to see the rotation be tightened up, as you said, maybe run a nine-man rotation, um, and definitely don't have a single minute where one of your three franchise players is not on the floor. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with you there. And then after that, I think we can move on to the next series, which they played a game yesterday, I believe. It yeah. was the Bucks and the Nets. Uh, what did you think of the, that? Did you expect the Nets to win after Harden went down? Yeah, for one, I saw James Harden go down, and I said, oh, man, this is going to be tough. Like, this is pretty demoralizing if you're the Nets. But I did also think you still have KD, you still have Kyrie. These are guys – beginning of the season they played together they James Harden wasn't there to start the season although it's not as deep it's gonna be hard for them but they'll just have to like hope they can like just take it the load until maybe James Harden comes back later in the game or something um but they blew out the Bucks, and I mean like blew them out with a, a full Bucks team like I was not expecting any of that like you had Giannis going for almost 40 points. He he had a Giannis game. You had Chris Middleton. He played pretty well. P.J. Tucker played well. Uh, Drew Holiday had a 20, I think, 20-10 game almost. Uh, so these aren't guys who are like were playing poorly. This this team was still flowing. The, the Nets just scored more points like we talked about before. If you can score more points than the other team, you win. It doesn't matter your defense. So that's what that that's my thoughts. Like, what did you think of this game? Yeah, I mean, it just shows how good the Nets are. Like, we I think last episode we talked about how 
there are just so many quality players on this team that ignoring the big three, there are just like a plethora of guys who are either great defenders or can get you a bucket or are just excellent role players. And I think we saw some of that in the game. Uh, when Harden went down, other players stepped up. And obviously you have your two superstars to propel you forward. And it's not like the Bucks played bad, as you said. It's just the Nets played better. And I'm worried for them because this was a game that they have to win. You know, Harden goes down. you got to capitalize on that and, and take home court advantage back. Um, yeah, I, I also I just want to say really quickly, I really enjoyed seeing Blake Griffin, like, be Blake Griffin we saw in Lob City. Like, he wasn't, like, catching, like, super high lobs or anything like that. But this was an 18 and 14 game from Blake Griffin at this point in his career, which I don't think anybody was really expecting out of him. So like that was really cool to watch. And right. also out of the Bucks, I want to say that Brooke Lopez also played really well. He scored 19 points for this team. So like it's it's not like you could say anybody really was a letdown on the Bucks. Like we were both saying, like people stepped up into their roles, and that's just stepped up more. Like it's just that simple. Yeah, exactly. And as you said, Blake Griffin, he's really good now. Like, he's good in a different way from what we saw in, in during his time in college at Oklahoma or early on in the Clippers. He's more of, like, that physical, like, three-point threat. You know, like, he is not the, the lob who's just <laughs> – I can't, I don't know why I'm struggling to speak English right now, but you know what I'm saying? Like he's mm-hmm. taken on a different role. He's shooting more threes. He's more physical than he was because he was sort of like soft back in the Clippers days. Um, and he just relied fully on his athleticism. So he's really big for this Nets team. Um, and Kyrie does play 45 minutes this game, by the way. Kyrie did not rest a single minute. But Kyrie's going hard. Yeah. Got to get right there. 45 is crazy. Yeah. In a non-OT game, crazy. Like, that's crazy in a non-OT game, but not only that, it was totally worth every single minute Kyrie's putting out there because Kyrie knows a guy who he can he can pretty take pretty tough loads. Like, he's never been – has a history of injury or anything like that, aside from, like, his mental space. He, he oh, doesn't whoa, have – Oh, Kyrie has never had a history of injuries. I mean, aside from the Cavs for a little bit. No, he was injured in college. He was injured on the Cavs. He was injured in Boston. Okay, Boston, I'd chalk up more to issues in the locker room than him not, like, being healthy to play. But that's a conversation for a different day. 2019 or 2018 – or 17, 18 season. Yes, no, that season he wasn't healthy. He's not somebody who's had a continuous injury problem, like – as of recent, or like he's somebody who can really push his body, I think more so than a lot of other guys in the league. Agree to disagree. We'll agree to disagree. On that, but okay. <laughs> all right, but he does play these minutes, and every single minute was worth it because they walk out with a dub. Yes, like just plain simple. Do you think that this is going to be like a sweep or a five game series, or do you think this is going to be more competitive? No, 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 not a five-game series. I think this could be a six-game series. Honestly, like, I don't see this going seven games because no James Harden and you still beat them by eight. And that, that doesn't really tell, like, what happens in this game. But I could see it going six games, maybe 
they each steal one on the road. I could see it being 2-2, and then Brooklyn just finishes up. I can see that too. But, yeah, no, I, I was going to say, like, I'm going to pick the Bucks, but I have a hard time because even if it looks like they're going to get the upper hand, then you always have that X factor. Not even an X factor. You just have another superstar player coming back in James Harden. And it's just like, okay, now you have to beat this team just a lot better now with Harden. Yeah. So I just have to give it to the Nets. I got to say a few things from this game. Uh, The only thing I can really chalk this up to for the Bucks was very poor three-point shooting performance. Oh, yeah. Which you can't have around Giannis. You can't have that around Giannis. But um, I can say that the Bucks also, they're free throw shooting. That's another thing. They go 11 for 19 in this game from the three-point line. Or from the free throw line, that is a fifty-eight percent uh, efficiency from that line. That's like Lakers level bad free throw shooting right there. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so this wasn't a great game from them there. But you already know the Nats are going to come on their A game when it comes to anything scoring related. In this game, they go forty-seven percent from the field, thirty-eight percent from the three-point land, and almost ninety percent from the free throw line. Like that's just who they are. That's their identity. Like them, yeah. Um, and the rebounding story doesn't really say much because the Bucks grab 11 more rebounds than the Nets do, and they have nine more offensive rebounds, which usually leads to a win when you have nine more offensive rebounds than the other team because right. usually that means the second, third chance points. But that just didn't happen this game. Yeah, I think it's just like I'm, I think it's, it's as you said, like the three point shooting was so poor for the Bucks, but. I really expect that to average out. Like, I think next game they're going to come out and make more shots. I don't – like, just the law of averages, you know, mm-hmm. they're bound to have a game where they're they're going to shoot hot. They just have too many good shooters for that not to happen. Yeah. Well, um, what do you think will happen if the Nets win this series in six, let's say? What do, the, what do you do if you're the Bucks? Because you have this threat of the Nets for a long time, and you did just make huge upgrades to your team. It's like almost like what the Clippers did last year. It's like we just need massive upgrades to our team. Like we got Kawhi, we got Paul George, we got the right pieces, but we still didn't win. Like we're not in the, we did not fulfill expectations and we're kind of just like stuck. I think we should hold off on that topic because who, like the Bucks still could very, very easily win this series. And Mm -hmm. then it would just mean that everything we just talked about would be null and void. So, I think we should move on to talking about the other semifinals in the West. Um, the one that was just decided today was Jazz Clippers, uh, which I think is going to be a very interesting series. Uh, what do you think about this series and who do you favor? Uh, in this series, let's see. I honestly think Clippers, you know. Yeah. Just his talent. Jazz are a great young team and they're not, they're not to be underestimated especially like after that first round performance against the Grizzlies, you really saw a difference that Donovan Mitchell makes on that team coming out after game one. Uh, so I, I think this is like a six game series as well, because I think the jazz are still going to give them a tough time. Uh, as you saw with Luca, uh, he was able to get his points in and he was able to be incredible, which I think Donovan Mitchell will be able to do too, because he's just like, super athletic so he'll be able to score even if he isn't like as crafty or as great with dribbling the ball as Luca is he's just going to be a high flyer and get his points in a different way than Luca will so I think that 
Kawhi and Paul George are going to have a, a, a tough time guarding him. Definitely. But on the flip side, the I think the Jazz are going to have a tough time guarding Kawhi and PG. Actually, I think that you especially throw Kawhi. Joe Ingles on PG and be fine with it. We su- no, I think it's Kawhi's the issue. Yeah, who? that's the thing. When the Lakers played the Jazz, they didn't have an answer for LeBron. It's those big, strong wing players that they don't really have an answer for. Who are you going to put on him? Royce O'Neal? I would take Kawhi. Like, I, I think Kawhi would feast being guarded by Royce O'Neal the whole game. This could easily be a series where Kawhi averages, like, 48 and 5. Yeah. Like, I could really see something like that happening where Kawhi just goes off because – Kawhi has been actually having a historic playoff run, even though it's been quiet. He he had a game similar to the series he played against uh, the Sixers in 2019 when he was on the Raptors. Like he had that kind of game against the Mavs, I think, in Game Six. So this he's not like out or anything. Like he's still just as good as he's always been. Yeah, and we saw like in that Game Six against the Mavs where he dropped. 45 points in the elimination game he is still a phenomenal playoff talent um and i think he's just going to continue his hot performances against the jazz but i honestly think that the jazz could win this series because i think that i don't know just rudy gobert is going to cause some problems for you know the two superstars on the interior and if their shooting slows down and Marcus Morris isn't making seven threes in a game like he did today. And, you know, Reggie Jackson isn't hitting logo daggers as he was today. I think that the Jazz offense and just how well they play as a team could cause some issues. And, you know, they do have home court advantage since they are the one seed. That could come back to bite the Clippers uh, if this does go the distance and go seven games. Salt Lake is said to be the hardest city to play in the NBA. Yeah, certainly with the, the, the certainly the fact that there are not a lot of COVID restrictions and that the arena is going to be packed, I think that's really going to help the Jazz. Yeah, especially that doesn't favor the Clippers being in a city like LA where it's pretty heavy restrictions. Although starting uh, in a week, I'm not sure how much of an impact this will have on the series, like how many games it will be. But on June 15th, uh, LA is going to open up a lot, quite a bit of things. So yeah, not sure what that means for this series or a future series if the Clippers do get further. But uh, as of right now, any team in the city like New York or Los Angeles had, does have a disadvantage in that sense. Not New York, not New York necessarily, because they, they actually allowed quite a bit of fans into msg but well msg sounds like more than it even is sometimes just because of the way it's built that's but, true. but they had like eight they i think they had like 15 to eighteen thousand or something like that so it was a fair bit but yeah definitely in la and also i think the fact that they are the uh, los angeles clippers uh you know they're not going to be they're not gonna have a very strong fan presence you know um, yeah yeah like, there is people who they're laker fans who will go to a clipper game even if it's not a laker Clipper game just to boo the Clippers. Yeah. That's a very real thing. Definitely. And I mean, some people just go because they're cheap tickets and yes, (laughs) you know, so the fan present and, but in Utah, they don't have any professional sports except for the jazz. So they, they're very fervent. They're very passionate over there. Um, So I think that if we're talking about fan advantage and that sort of like six man factor, if you will, definitely has to go to the jazz. 
Yeah, uh, I'd agree with you there. Uh, so n- next on the list, we already talked about the Nuggets and the Suns matchup a little bit, um, but we didn't talk about how many games we think it would go. So where do you think that ends up going? Like how many games do you say and who wins it? This one is the most evenly matched matchup, in my opinion, of the second round. Like I could see if the Nuggets win in six, I'd be like, that makes sense. If the Suns win in six, I could see that. Any combination of games besides maybe a sweep by like the Nuggets would make sense to me. If you know? if one team were to sweep the other team, which team would it be? The Suns sweeping. I think they're they're a better team. Really? They're healthier. Yeah. I think that it would be the Nuggets sweeping. If I were the, I would be surprised if the the Suns swept over the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are a team that can get hotter. I think the Suns are deep Sorry, the nut the Nuggets are a deeper team. The nu- wait, you said the Nuggets are a team that can get hotter. Yes. Aside from Devin Booker, I think Devin Booker by himself overall as a as a construct roster construction, the whole team. He's Devin Booker, no question, can get is the hottest player of any of these guys. Okay. But then you have all you would have did you not see Cameron Payne in the in the last series? Did Michael Porter see- Jr. Did you not see him score 22 points? Okay, and like how many points nine minutes? How many points did he score in the rest of the game? That doesn't matter. We're not talking about the rest <laughs> of the game. <laughs> okay, but the sweep, you gotta you gotta you gotta score for all 48. You can't just score for 12. Yeah, but I'm saying if I were to see a team sweep, I think it would be the Nuggets over the Suns. But I agree with you. I think this series is going six, seven games. I could go either way. I don't want to make a prediction. Yeah. I'm making a prediction. Suns and six. You heard it here first. That's okay. my first accurate prediction of the playoffs. <laughs> first accurate. See, you hear it, you hear it here, folks. First accurate prediction. And this isn't this isn't even the series yet. We haven't seen Suns a game six. played. I've seen enough. Okay. Devin Booker uh, averaging 35. Well, moving on. I oh, thought that... you give it, you gotta give a prediction too. I'm I'm put, I'm staking everything on this series. Okay, you fine. Put something on You're it. saying Suns and six, also nuggets and seven. Nuggets and seven. Okay. Yeah. And wait for Jazz Clippers. You say take a. Oh, I said I said Clippers and six. I go Jazz and six. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be a little fun to do this next one. Uh, after seeing LeBron now out of the playoffs, let's talk about ranking the top five, 10 players in the league and how many of those guys are better than LeBron now. Because after this playoff series, I think we can confidently say. LeBron isn't the best player in the league, and there's quite a few guys who are better than him. Yes. And that's not a bad thing. He's 30 freaking seven in December. Like, you know what I mean? He's yeah. he's old. So who's better than him? Let's okay. give me your top five. Not, not necessarily in order. We can talk about that a little more another time. But just throw out some guys who you think are better than LeBron at this point. Okay, top five right now. And I think the I think you would have to agree with some of these. Jokic for sure. Is this an order or are you just starting out? These okay. are five players I think are in the top five in no particular order. So Jokic, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, and Giannis. Yeah, I, I think I could agree there. Um, right outside of there, I think you have to put Joel Embiid and Steph Curry. Like I think those James are Harden, James Harden. Harden. I think I'd say, but might like, okay, if we're going to let's go. Lillard. We forgot about Dame. Yeah, I, I'd say Dame is also like at that like seven to like six to like eight range. Yeah. Um, but if I'm gonna say let's go top ten, I think LeBron is probably like the nine or the ten at this point in his career, honestly. Yeah, um, I mean, if we're just looking at the way he played in the last series mm-hmm. in 
honestly, like the second half of the season up until now, I think that's a pretty fair place. Yeah, I think you can – I'd put make my – let's go top 10. Like you said, Jokic, Giannis. Uh, Kawhi. Who else is in there? Kawhi, Luka, and who's your last guy in there? Um, oh, shoot. How do we not mention Curry? You know, no, like, I said Curry. I said Curry's like my six. Oh, KD, 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 KD. Okay, wait, KD, Kawhi. It was Kawhi. My bad. It was KD. Kawhi. Did I say Kawhi? So okay, KD, <laughs> Kawhi, Luca, Jokic, yeah. and Giannis. And then right there behind that, I put probably Steph, Dame, Embiid, James Harden, Harden yep. and then LeBron. I think then Kyrie could, could go after LeBron. Um, but yeah, LeBron definitely isn't the man, the king of the NBA. He's the king in legacy, but definitely yep. not the king in like I want to draft this guy first. He's definitely the king of Cancun, but <laughs> <laughs> he's parting it up right now with uh AD and Snoop and Curry and Dame, you know. Yeah, they're, they're all last and they're all hanging out with like the rappers and Snoop Dogg. They're all they're all like, oh. The uh, NBA isn't for a while. Well, I mean, let me get some of that, you know, some of that good stuff. Let me get that. Some cover. of the devil's lettuce. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what do you call it? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the fact we didn't even mention Anthony Davis in that top 10 mm-hmm. shows like he, he's got to have like a, a big comeback season next season because he, I, I think he really disappointed a lot of us this season. Oh yeah, this season he, what did the average like barely twenty and like nine? Like, yeah, no, he did not play well, and his shooting splits were really, really poor. Yeah, his three point shooting was the worst of his career this year. And another thing we can talk about with Anthony Davis is the fact that at this point, with any dynamic duo who's like a young old combination, like you got Magic and Kareem, you have like Tim Duncan and Kawhi. I guess you could even say. You have guys like who else is a, a, another Le, LeBron and D Wade, Kobe and Shaq, Kobe and Shaq. The older guy always passes on to the young guy, the big heavy load. And it usually results in like a ring or two. Um, but the, the alpha becomes the young guy. I mean, Kobe became the alpha. LeBron became the alpha. Magic became the alpha. You could even say Kawhi on the Spurs at some point. He became the alpha. Like, yeah. So it's, Anthony Davis isn't the alpha in this team. It's, it's LeBron, 100% LeBron. And mm-hmm. Anthony Davis isn't there. Like, he's just mentally, physically, he's just not there. Um, so there either needs to be a massive change in his mentality, his health, or something. Because if LeBron could not go another year of his career where Anthony Davis is out for 20 games in a row where LeBron has to – do the heavy lifting like that just doesn't work i have a question sort of along the lines of what you were saying do you think that the lakers can ever win a championship again with lebron being the best player on the team no me neither i don't no they can't um the nba is changing too much the young guys are going to be running circles around them the young guys aren't getting worse they're going to get better Mm -hmm. trey young isn't going to get worse he's going to get better luca isn't going to get worse he's going to get better donovan mitchell Jokic, all these guys are going to just keep getting better. And that also goes the same for role players. Role players are only getting better. And that means that teams with veterans like Kawhi 
they're going to get better too. The Bucks, every team is going to be getting better. There's not a team that's going to be getting worse if they're in contention, right? So the Lakers are probably, if any of the teams that are in like quote unquote contention for next year, they're in the worst spot because they have like six guys signed on their roster. And one of them is like Alfonso McKinney. So like they're, they're really in a bad spot for being in contention next year. And they need a third star 100% to win a ring. And even if that third star is the third best between AD LeBron and, and whoever that is, right? AD has to be the alpha. I agree. LeBron, if anything, this season showed us that LeBron can't do what he did in 2018 anymore. He can't single-handedly take a team, put them on his back, and take them far in the playoffs. He's just not that player anymore. Yeah, he can't he can't get quadruple teamed and still still get a 50-point triple double. Like that's just not him. He can't do it. He's too old. He's weakened by injuries. And you know, that's just not who he is anymore. So AD needs to take this offseason. I don't know, find a doctor or something, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't go know. to Germany like uh Kobe did. Go to Germany. Well, oh, we can send. Okay, when when he goes to Germany, make sure he leaves Schroeder there. Okay. Oh no! What you know? What Kobe did with his his knee, right? He his knee was bone on bone. He didn't have any. Uh, what cartilage. is it called? Yeah, he didn't have any cartilage in his knee, so he did some sort of like surgery to get cartilage back in his knee. Yeah, so maybe AD could do something like that. But go go get know. a fancy German doctor. Yeah, and uh, like while you're there in Germany, make sure you leave Schroeder with you, like. Leave him in Germany. Don't take <laughs> It'll bring, and then on your way, take Kuzma to the Shanghai Sharks. Yeah, leave him there. Take him to the Shanghai Sharks. Put Andre Drummond on the Guangdong Tigers, and <laughs> I'll be battling it out in the finals. And uh, then we, I'll take Lance Stevenson over Kyle Kuzma at this point. Please, anything. Well, yeah, we'll take anybody at this point. No more Kuzma. Uh, Michael Beasley can come back, please. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the Lakers, we, we just can't deal with any more Kuzma. But, uh, I honestly think that's a good place to call it. Yeah, I agree. You know, before this devolves into us complaining about the Lakers. <laughs> it already has. It literally yeah. already has. <laughs> they always tend, these episodes always tend to go in that direction. But uh, thank you so much all for listening. Uh, this is a blast. And uh, we'll see you all next episode. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.